Welcome to A Better Way podcast, dedicated to mompreneurs who want to do good and feel good at work, at home, and in life. We're your hosts, Courtney and Danielle, and we get the challenges you're facing because we're living them too. We'll share tangible tips we've learned along the way to help make your life a little easier and we hope a lot more fun. We'll also chat with other moms who are making it happen so we can learn from one another because together we can find a better way. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of A Better Way Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ann Hill. Hello, Ann. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Yeah, we're excited to have you. And just for our guests, Ann is the founder of Hilltop Virtual Solutions. It's an agency dedicated to helping entrepreneurs automate and improve their systems. They can spend more time in their zone of genius. And so just a little bit of background about Ann. Um, She has a passion for helping people improve their quality of life. So she actually started out in the physical therapy field working with patients and quickly realized that there was a big correlation between the health of a person and the health of a business. And she eventually went on to lead the operation side of the practice. So today she helps business owners improve their quality of life by streamlining the way that they run their company. Um, And she's also a fellow boy mom, just like me and Danielle and enjoys spending (laughs) her free time with her two sons. Um, So, and I'm so excited to have you on because we are 30 episodes into our podcast, and we have not actually talked about systems or processes or operations. And chatting with you is super timely because I've recently um, hired a second contractor in my business, and I'm actually um, prepping to onboard them at the beginning of December. And I'm realizing like, I've been so busy doing the work that I don't have standard operating procedures. I don't have (laughs) systems and processes, and that's a really bad place to be in. So I'm probably the person who needs your help the most right now, (laughs) Um, but I'm excited to share all of your um, awesome, you know, uh, expertise in this area with our audience as well. So before we kind of jump into your um, specialty and what Hilltop Virtual Solutions offers, can you just tell our audience a little bit about your journey? Because I find it so interesting that you've gone from being a physical therapist in therapist in practice um, to then leading the operation side to then taking that on your own and creating your own business. That's quite the evolution. So tell <laughs> yeah, us definitely. a little bit about that. Well, first of all, I will tell you that you are not alone in, uh, in the hiring <laughs> process and being that like, makes me oh, feel better. <laughs> I didn't do any of this stuff that I probably would have been beneficial if I would have done it. You're not alone with that. Just an FYI. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, when I first, you know, back in the day, growing up, went to school, decided that I wanted to be a physical therapist. I, I definitely, as you mentioned, I had a passion for wanting to help people and, um, I was in sports and it just led to, you know, working with others that were active and wanted to be active again and wanted to have that quality of life back after whether it was an injury or an illness or something like that. Um, and so I, when I was growing up, went the route of physical therapy, went the route of, you know, going to school, going to college, going to get my master's, all of that. Never once did I think, oh, I'm going to become an entrepreneur. In fact, people used to even ask when I was in PT school, you know, oh, do you ever want to have your own PT practice? I'm like, no, (laughs) no, I don't ever want to be a business owner. No. (laughs) So, which in some ways, yes, it's true. I still did not want to have a PT practice, but I did not know that what the future held for me at that time. Um, I, after having two kids, 
was finding myself in a position where I was just like, I don't love what I do anymore. I don't love leaving the house. I don't love leaving my kids. I don't love the cost of daycare and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was the primary breadwinner and I needed to, um, still be able to provide for our family. And so, you know, after I had my first child, it really was a, okay, yep. I'm going back to work. Like it's, that's just what it is. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, and then after having my second one, I began to have conversations with my husband more of like this, there's gotta be something more. I don't know what, but there's gotta be something different. This, this isn't how I want to live my life. I was working long hours at my job. I was, um, they had gone through a lot of corporate leadership changes. And so I was one of the few that kind of stuck with the company longer Mm -hmm. and was just seeing all of this constant turnover. And I'm like, there's, I can't do this. I can't do this for the rest of my life. This is not how I want to be. I don't want to come home to my kids this way. I don't want to come home and barely see them, all of that sort of stuff. And so it, it turned into like the, you know, the Google search of what, what else can I do that's out there? What skills do I have and what can I do? Um, and I came across a, a program. It was a virtual assistant program. And the woman that, that taught the program very much spoke to me in like how she was, I, I resonated with what she was saying. Um, and, and I was, it was more of a, you can have your cake and eat it too. Like you can have a business provide for your family and still stay home and have a schedule that you enjoy and want to be, um, around for and be present in, in life again. Um, and, and I had no idea how that was going to happen, but I was sold on the concept and the idea that that could happen. (laughs) So after, um, after a a few conversations with my husband, uh, I went ahead and signed up for that program. But I did work for probably a year and a half still while trying to build that business, my business, this business Mm -hmm. and establish myself as a business owner, start networking, start talking to other business owners and, um, and build my business as I was working full time Um, and juggling that is uh, that's quite a a balancing act, trying to juggle that and feel like you're still, um, you know, again, being present for your family. (laughs) So (laughs) Um, but, I but I knew there was an end game to it. So it was okay doing it at that point in time. Yeah. So it's funny that you mentioned that. So that's how it all started with me too, was the pandemic. Well, I found out the first day of quarantine, I was expecting our baby number two. And then I had like committed to myself. I was like, I'm not going to go back after this maternity leave. I need to do something. And I signed on for a virtual assistant program, but then found through the virtual assistant program. I was like, wait, I can do what I'm doing in my corporate world, brand strategy and marketing and create my own business around it. And so I just want to highlight that for our listeners, because we've had Helen Peterson, who ran the VA bootcamp that I did. Um, we had her on in one of our early episodes. And then a few of our guests have taken her program as well, gone on to build their own businesses, not even VA businesses, but different things. And I think, you know, you are kind of like an office business manager and an operations consultant and an expert. And that all started through the VA program. And so I think that it's funny because I think that there's a, um, there's a misconception about what that means for people, but it's been such a gateway for so many people I've talked to. Um, so, you know, how did you, go about making that transition from 
balancing this as like a side hustle to then being like, I'm going to make a go of it. Like, how did you build up to the point where you were comfortable stepping away, especially given you were, I don't know if you were still at that time, a bread, the breadwinner, but you, I, yeah. you were, yeah. Yeah, okay. I was. <laughs> and um, yeah, so what we had done is, um, I mean, obviously my husband and I had had numerous conversations. Finances are something that it, it's one of those like deal breakers in our, our relationship. When things are rocky financially, our relationship is not the best, um, which I think is common in, in a lot of um, households. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, and it, it's one of those things in my life that I have realized like adds a whole other element of stress for me. So that financial side of like, how are we going to do this um, was something that really came into play there. What we ended up doing was we we were basically saving the money that I was making on the side as I was making it um, while still working a full-time job to cover expenses, cover bills, that sort of stuff. So we were able to bank some of that money to build a little bit of a buffer in there, knowing that, that there was going to be a breaking point, at least for me. And, and because I did start off as, as what I classified as a general VA. So where you were saying like, you saw, I can do this in my corporate, what I do in my corporate job can transfer and translate right over mm-hmm. to this. For me, I didn't necessarily see that right off the bat. I just thought, mm-hmm. okay, well, I, I have skills. I can figure things out. I don't know exactly what businesses are going to need, but I know I can figure it out. So I didn't necessarily see initially like, oh, I do operations. I'm still going to do operations. Um, it took a little bit of growth with that, but I also was searching in the online space. When I transitioned to the VA world, it was, it was eye-opening. I did not know so much existed. And I didn't know that I lived in this little, like this little therapy bubble that I knew other therapists, I knew nurses, I knew doctors and, and that sort of thing. But I didn't necessarily at that time, I didn't really know a lot of business owners. Most of the people that I knew had the nine to five corporate job type thing. Um, and so I didn't know business owners at that time. And so it was eye-opening number one, the online space and the business owners online and what was out there. And then number two, just even starting to get to know local business owners, um, was just so eye-opening to me that there was this world that I never knew existed. Yeah. So, um, true. Yeah. It's funny. I think about this all the time. I didn't know either. And no one in my family is an entrepreneur, runs their own business. Everyone is like a teacher or guidance counselor or works for the government or works for a corporation. And that's just like the traditional nine to five has been what I've been surrounded by. And it's funny because now I look at, I have a personal Instagram page and a business Instagram page. And I'm like, I look at my personal and it's an entirely different world versus my online business space. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't even know it existed. And it's so funny because it is like this, I don't know. Um, it, it's funny how not small, but how you can be so stuck in your way or tunnel vision with what you're exposed to every day that you don't even realize that there are opportunities out there. And so I love the fact that you were like, no, there were, I just had to search for them and I had to go outside of my bubble and like my comfort zone for that. Oh, hands down the comfort zone. Like I, I had to, when you talk about how did I make that leap? Like it was that I had to realize that there was no being comfortable anymore. It was a guarantee that I was going to be doing things that I never thought I would be doing. I was going to be speaking in front of people. I was going to be going in blindly and connecting with people at networking events that I 
didn't know, didn't have anyone else that I knew in the room. Like there were so many things that were just so incredibly, I tend to be more of an introvert. So it, it was very much like my husband is the extrovert. We go to different events and different gatherings and he's chatting with, he's working the room unintentionally, but he is working the room. Mm-hmm. Um, I always joke around and say he should be in sales. Cause I'm like, you have a way of connecting with anybody, no matter what. <laughs> I don't have that skill, or at least I didn't have that skill as much before. I've learned some of these things along the way, Um, but it was something where it very much was jumping into that. Okay. Time to be uncomfortable because there's no way to move forward. If I just continue to stay in my little bubble, I need to expand. I need to broaden my horizons. Um, But it was, it was building up a little bit of a buffer there for the breadwinner side of it, being able to continue to support our family. And then it, I, it was conversations with my husband of like, okay, I know there's opportunities out there. I was seeing the opportunities, but I just didn't physically have the time to be able to follow up with those opportunities. I didn't have the time to nurture those relationships because I was working my full-time job too. Um, I didn't have the time to attend additional networking events or various things because of my full-time job. And so it was like, I know that the business is out there. And so it took that um, mindset shift too. That mm-hmm. I know the business is out there. It's just a matter of me having the time to be able to follow up with it and get the business. Um, yeah. And so we got to that point, ironically, um, to where I put in my notice at the end of uh, December of 2019. And it, and so I, I had a 30-day notice in January of 2020 was right when I put in notice. So like I had one month of like, actually starting to get out there and was all motivated. And then, then the world shut down. <laughs> so, <laughs> Okay. So we need to dive into this. How did you navigate that? So fortunately I had some, uh, a coach that I was working with, um, very closely at that time. And I was about, um, she had even worked me through like the mindset of, of quitting my job and everything. And so I, I it was a year long program that I was with her the, and this coach, I was six months into it when the pandemic hit and there was a a group of us that had gotten on a call with her, like, Oh my gosh, what on earth or what are we doing? How, how are we going to survive? What's going to happen? And, and fortunately I did have that buffer financially. So we had a few months built up. Um, and, and she just kept saying like, you just need to keep talking to people like, yes, nobody knows right now what's going on, but know that at some point people still need to run their businesses. People still need to continue to operate themselves. They may not know exactly what the business looks like yet or how it's going to shift or pivot, but like, they're still going to need to run businesses. So keep nurturing those relationships. And that was one of the key things that she kept saying. Um, and then everybody was going through the same chaos. Like everybody was trying to teach their kids and be a working parent at home and still network on zoom now, instead of in person or various things like that. Like we were all going through the same struggles, Mm -hmm. same challenges, um, so there, there was definitely that easier way of connecting with people that I may not have realized at that time, um, because we were all going through the same thing. So mm-hmm. I would say it was probably about three or four months of me definitely having that, like, okay, so when, when is everybody going to start making this shift that they need some support again? <laughs> um, but I wonder though, like now that we're a year and a half out from that onset, like, do you feel like the industry has grown in terms of their need. And I asked that because I started this in July of June, July of 2020. 
And to me, I feel like I've seen so many new business owners enter the space in the last year, partially because of the pandemic, because they're searching for something new, or they've just finally decided, you know what, now's the time. So I'm wondering if you feel like the demand for your services has grown in the last year versus when you initially started. In some ways, yes. Um, I think it's also been something where people, or I would say not even in some ways, definitely, yes. The demand has definitely been there. I think it has been more of an understanding because of the pandemic of what can be done virtually. Mm -hmm. Whereas people expected somebody to always be coming in the office and be able to do something in person live. And now they're like, oh, actually you don't need to be sitting in right next to me in my office to do this. You could actually do this from your house and we can just get on a zoom call if we need to, or we can slack each other messages back and forth on questions that come up. So it, there was that um, shift to where even brick and mortar type businesses started to see the ability to do things virtually and transition to a little bit more of that thought process on contracting out help or hiring employees that were remote and not in person. Um, And then there was also obviously the online space that definitely has expanded and blown up significantly over the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. Okay. So regardless of if someone is a brick and mortar or an online business, I know that you're going to say operations and systems and processes are important. (laughs) So for slackers (laughs) like me, (laughs) <laughs> put that in place. I actually have some, I use ClickUp with my contractor, um, or my partner, Susie, we work together on a, um, a few clients. I use ClickUp for that. I use, I have some processes of my clients, but they're inconsistent. And so for slackers like me, who could be doing a much better job <laughs> and organized, where do we start? Like, what is the first thing you recommend to a business? So depending on what it is that you are looking for first, so I guess I would I'd break this down into a few different places, mm-hmm. a few different ways. Um, first of all, most of the time that first hire that tends to come into a business is kind of that general catch-all VA or administrative type VA, um, because those are some of the kind of low-hanging fruit that the, the business owner pretty easily can be like, hey, I really don't need to be sending out these six Zoom links. Like this is something that this person could be doing instead. So usually it's very easy to see, you know, in, in your calendar, what can I just take off my plate? And, and I don't need to give a lot of instruction for this. This is something that people should be able to figure out pretty easily, that sort of stuff. So that usually is that first level of like new hire is just, let's have this person take on these, some, some administrative tasks. But once they start to take on certain things and they get the hang of it, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, and, and do you know how to schedule emails out in active campaign? And do you know how to do this and that too? Um, and so then all of a sudden that general VA, like I said, it kind of becomes a catch-all, um, mm-hmm. which is fine when it's just the task, like do this, do this, do this. Uh, but at some point in a business, um, you want somebody that has a little bit more of a skill um, or an expertise that's going to maybe know something that you as a business owner don't know, or potentially just be more of an expert in it than you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you get to that point and you're looking overall at really how the business is running, that's when you're going to more so need to be like, okay, I need them to take on my sales or I need them to take on my lead generation. Well, then you need to know what that process is mm-hmm. to be able to teach them how they can do it and excel at it at a high level for you and that they can essentially bring in that ROI for you, bringing on that team member for you. 
Um, sales tends to be the next spot that people go to after having kind of that general admin VA, because if you're not continuing to keep the business going in sales, <laughs> you don't have a business. So um, it's hard to keep the business going if you don't continue to, you know, gain clients and mm-hmm. continue to sell your product or whatever it is that you're doing. So, um, but so that if people don't have anything, that tends to be one of, the, in all honesty, one of the first spots that I will start with a client is what's your what's your lead generation process? What's your sales process? And let's get those ironed out so that you know that as you're bringing on more people, they can help support you here. And, and it can, they, it may not be that the, that your sales team is like closing the sale yet. It might still be the business owner that's taking on that role, but they're doing at least some of that lead generation to lead, lead to that book a call with the, with the business owner type thing. Mm-hmm. But eventually you want to get that off your plate too, so that the business owner gets to free up their time even more. So you bring up a really good point about hiring someone that knows some that knows more than you. So I tend to feel like I have the responsibility if I'm hiring. So because a lot of times I'm hiring people, well, the two hires that I've made so far in my business, they're not actually just, they're not really even supporting my, but they are supporting my business, but they're supporting my client work. So I have client projects and then I have monthly client retainers for um, marketing execution. And then, so they're helping me with a portion of the execution for that client, whether it's social media management or email marketing or partnerships and collaborations. And so I have a tendency to feel like I have to know it all and show it all to them. Reed, I'm really bad at delegation. That's my (laughs) biggest weakness. And other, anyone who's listened to this podcast knows that. So can you talk a little bit about being okay and acknowledging as the business owner, whether someone's coming on to support you or support your clients, that it's okay not to be the person who knows it all and to give up some of that control to that hire. And how do you do that while maintaining quality assurance for your business or for your clients? Like, I feel like that's always the trickiest is I want to hire someone, but I want it to make my life easier. And I need to also respect the skills that they're bringing to the table. Does that question make sense? Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And I, I am an agency owner myself, so I definitely understand the the need for somebody to be able to like, okay, I'm putting you, whether it's client facing or I'm putting you on this client's mm-hmm. work and I need, I need you to do it right. It's so scary like, so, <laughs> because it's my business that's on the line with this. So you need to do it right type thing. Yeah. Um, so I totally understand where you're coming from with that, but uh, there's a few things that definitely play a role there. First of all, when you are hiring someone, really looking at making sure that that person um, is the right fit. And, and that's you know easier said than done by all means. Um, but you want to make sure that that you um, are feeling like they they know the vision, they know their roles, responsibilities, they have a clear understanding of their expectations of what needs to be done. Um, and then by all means, if you're able to, you know, see some of their work product and make sure that you are comfortable with what they are producing, then that's even better when you can get to that point with it too. Um, but it's, it comes down to communication and really setting those clear expectations with that person, um, on what they need to do and what your expectation is of them when they need to have it done by all of those sort of things with them. Um, and then it also is going to come down to, um, when you are 
delegating something to someone, you want to give them kind of the framework with it, but you also want, especially if it is somebody that's an expert, that this is really what they excel at more than you. And that's why you're having them do it. Um, you want to have them own the task and own the job and own that side of it and, and not feel like you're watching over their shoulder all the time and, you know, collaborate with them on it versus just telling them what needs to be done with it. Um, mm-hmm. but in order to really get them to do the, their best work and then do what you expect of them, it's really making sure that they are going to take ownership and work autonomously on it and feel confident that you trust and value their expertise. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So if someone is looking to hire and they've made it through, I think you made a really great point just about fit. And I think that that goes not only with, they have the core skills and capabilities to do the job, but also fit in terms of, you said, I think very well, your business vision, that certain Mm -hmm. people and personalities or work styles, um, work better to fulfill your mission and will work better with you like one-on-one as individuals. And so I think it's important when you're assessing fit to think about both skills and personality and how that gels together. But so say someone is looking to hire, are there certain, um, it's funny. I never heard the term SOP or standard operating procedure. So I got into the <laughs> online space. There's plenty of acronyms in agency and corporate life for marketing, but SOP was not one of them. And so do you have any standard operating procedures or documentation or frameworks that are good for business owners to have in place when they're looking to hire someone or delegate to team members? And I know that'll vary, but are there general guidelines you recommend to people? Yeah. So one thing with the onboarding of new team members is you want to think that through just like you would a new client. Um, because you want that team member, especially if it is the right fit for your business, they, you know, they share your values, the business values, they share the the vision of what, where you're wanting to grow your business. And you see them being a long-term team player. You want them to have a good experience. You want them to come in and feel like right off the bat, Hey, this is going to be a great, um, a great fit for me. I want to stay with this business long-term. You don't want them to come in and feel like they're twiddling their thumbs and not knowing what they need to do and don't have access to what they need to have access to and, and can't communicate with you at all. And you're not checking in with them or anything like that. Um, and, and on the flip side, you'd also don't want them to come in and feel like they've just been thrown to the wolves and like, you just pile everything on them and say, have at it. You don't want to do that either. So you really, you know, the things that I remember working as an employee, um, and I think most people do remember whether it was good or bad, most corporate structures have an onboarding process for Mm -hmm. new team members. You really want to do that same thing for your small business. Even if it's your first hire, you want to still have an onboarding process that you go through. Um, You want to set up some, you know, weekly check-ins or potentially, you know, a daily check-in for a little bit, depending on what it is that you're needing that person to do for you. Um, And then you also want to set up, you know, 30, 60, 90 day goals of this is what I expect us to be meeting this goal, this target, this deadline. Um, These are the things that I need you to be taking off my plate, or these are the things that I need you to be confidently running by this date. Um, and communicating that with the team members so that they know 
what is expected of them. They know how to communicate with you. They know who they need to communicate with. They know, um, you know, just those sort of, I say they're like the basics, but it's in, in small businesses, you know, when it is a team of three, you may not necessarily think of what did we do back in the corporate job when there was a thousand people in this, in this um, company? Well, the same thing needs to happen. It's just at a different level um, in a mm-hmm. small business versus these major corporations. Absolutely. And I, it's an interesting point because I, what, I didn't really think of it until now when you were chatting, but I feel like, especially when you're starting out as an entrepreneur or a small business owner, like you're scrappy, right? Like oh, you yeah. literally built something out of nothing, which is amazing. Right, right. But because of that, sometimes you're building the plane at the same time you're flying it, which yeah. is not the way I like to run things. So as much as I say, I'm a slacker, I'm actually very detailed <laughs> and I over communicate is what my husband says to a fault. Um, but you know, sometimes we have a vision in our head and we assume everyone else has that same vision and entrepreneurs by definition are visionaries. And so without if you don't put that onto paper, if you don't communicate that in an effective way, it really does leave so much room for misinterpretation or just, you know, um, lack of alignment with your team member. So I think what you shared is really important is having a dedicated onboarding process and having those checkpoints. I love what you said, like 30, 60, 90 days, not only do you owe it to the person you hired, but you owe it to your business, right? Like the same way you're checking on your business metrics, you should be checking in on your people because they're what are helping you bring your business to life. Um, For people who might not be at a point where they want to hire though, I'm assuming that there's still ways that you can use systems and processes or automation to streamline your business, right? So if you were to work with someone or advise someone who isn't necessarily looking to bring on new team members, like where do you start in terms of diagnosing where there's inefficiencies and then putting processes or automation into place to free them up to be doing more in their zone of genius? Yeah. So that's a great Mm -hmm. question. Um, If it is a solopreneur that I'm working with, it's a lot of the, what are you avoiding? (laughs) What are you dreading doing each day? Where do you feel like you're constantly getting frustrated because things aren't smoothly happening for you? Um, And it's looking at those bottlenecks and seeing um, if there's an overarching theme, like this is always in your fulfillment process, or this Mm -hmm. is always in customer service, or this is always in the marketing processes. Um, And so it's looking at that part first is asking some of those sort of questions of finding out what, what are your frustrations? Where are you the most overwhelmed? Where are you the most frustrated with what the way you're currently doing things? Um, Or where do you feel like you, every time you do this, you go, Oh my gosh, this again, like, did I not come up with a better way to do this yet type thing? Um, And then that's where you look at those and you say, is there a way to automate this? Is there a way to get this off your plate? Is there a way, a better tool to be using that eliminates this altogether? Um, That sort of thing. I uh, recently had a conversation with someone um, that it was a fairly simple thing as we were talking it through, but she was like, every time I book these appointments with my clients, I have to, you know, I'll do it while we're on the call for the next appointment and I'll pull up my calendar and I'll just manually put in the appointment, but then I have to go back in and send a zoom link and and connect everything later on. And I'm like, why don't you just go into your Calendly link and schedule it right there. And it'll populate on both of your calendars right off the bat, instead of, even though you 
we tend to get in the habit of like, I'm going to send my Calendly link to someone else. Well, you can still pull up your own Calendly link also and do the exact same thing of telling them what times you have available and have it be sent to both of your calendars right then. Um, so again, it's like, it's just little things, but it, mm-hmm. when you're in it all the time, you're necessarily thinking it through to how do I make this better for me? You're just like, oh my gosh, I have to do this again. So, um, so yeah. And, and I mean, that's a very small example of something, but it's, it's a still a time saver that even one person just having to do that. So. Absolutely. And I think, so I consider myself a resourceful person, which also means though, that like, I'm okay with things being inefficient because I like find a way and I'm like, well, it works, whatever. I'm just going to do it. And I don't want to take that extra 30 minutes or hour to figure out what's going to be the most efficient way to do it. And I get stuck in habits really bad when this is a really good reminder for me to like, um, look back at what I'm doing across my business, because I am positive that just little things like the one you just shared are things where I know I should do it differently, but the pain of stopping and taking 30 minutes out one day seems more (laughs) than the extra 15 minutes I'm spending every other day for a month, which, you know, (laughs) over time I could save a big chunk of time. So that's really, really helpful. Um, so something else I want to ask, and, um, you mentioned tools, it's, I know it's going to be different based on the nature of someone's business, whether it's product or services and what industry they're in, but are there go-to tools that you recommend in general for most entrepreneurs or small business owners that just are, um, easier to use, save time, have better capabilities for people who might be either starting out or looking to refine what tools they do use in their practice? Yeah. So it's, especially if you are looking to grow, even if it's a, you're a solopreneur and you think, you know, even over the next six months, over the next year, I'm still going to be a solopreneur. Um, we tend to keep a lot of things in our head <laughs> and the more that you can put down, um, in, in a lot electronic version, whether that's in a project management tool, whether that is in, um, recording as a little loom video of yourself doing a task, like doing your invoicing, like record one and talk your way through it. So that at some point later on down the road, when, when you do bring on a team member, you have a few things kind of banked that you can start to, to delegate out, but, um, writing things somewhere where others potentially can start to access them and that it's not all being kept in your brain, um, is, is key. I personally, like I was mentioning, I am a fan of click ClickUp as are you, it sounded like mm-hmm. you were using that one too. If someone has never used any sort of project management tool before, um, a lot of times I'll start them off with Trello though, because mm-hmm. it's so easy to just pick up and run with. And it seems to make sense moving the cards, you know, along a, a, a workflow seems to make sense to most people. Um, and they're not, there isn't as much user error when you just have something that you just put in the task and then you move it along, like <laughs> move it along the stage here. And, and that seems to make sense to people. So, um, so I would say, putting things down though, in some way, shape or form, whether that's on a spreadsheet, whether that's on your calendar, whether that's on a project management tool, like I said, click up or, or others. Um, that's where I, that's one of the tools that I definitely would say to utilize. Mm-hmm. The other tool that I think is really important is to start just capturing things on video. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it never hurts to have some of these things in place. Even if your processes are going to change, it at least gives a starting point for it. Yep. So I've shared with clients and what I'm planning on doing for my um, new team member that starts in December is Loom videos and doing like a screen share, walking them through while I'm doing things. Um, yeah. I've done that with clients, which has been really, really helpful. Um, it, those are links. I mean, obviously you can also do screen records other ways and save them to Google drive and things like that. But yeah. that is something that I didn't know existed again, until I was in the online space, like no one in corporate America or an agency, like by agency, I mean like the traditional agencies I was working for, right. no one used those. And I'm like, where were, this would be amazing. Right. Yeah. This would be amazing. <laughs> Um, so that's another good one. Um, anything else tool wise or no, that covers that. Um, those are probably the top ones that I really recommend as people to, to do, like you're saying some sort of screen capturing, whether it's, I mean, and even if it's a zoom video, you know, you can, like you were saying, you can save some of those things in Dropbox or in Google drive or something like that. Um, because you just, people like to do video more these days. Um, it seems mm-hmm. to be easy to sit and watch a video of, of an actual how-to versus reading through the handwritten, you know, screenshot of instructions that I see. Um, and I, in all honesty, I've created some of those too. Um, but, uh, but videos seem to go a long way in quickly getting things done um, where a business owner can do it without um, really changing their habit. So, you know, if you're do, doing, um, like I use invoicing as the example, because it's something where, you know, if I'm getting in my system and I am doing the invoicing for the month or doing the invoicing for the week, however often you do it, I can physically still get that task done in the time that I've allotted doing it, but I'm just actually going to record myself doing it and talk through some of it and then just keep that video. So it doesn't necessarily take extra time for me to do this as if, but if I was trying to document it out, take screenshots, all of that sort of stuff, it's going to take extra time for me to do that and have it ready. So, mm-hmm. um, I That's think point. I do, I'm trying to think if there are any other, those are probably the top two things is like project management tool in some way, shape or form to keep track of what's going on and then doing some screen recording. Those are probably really the big tools. Mm-hmm. Okay. Super helpful. I'm, these are good tips for me. I'm like mentally taking notes of all the things that I want to do now <laughs> over the next like two weeks. But then the next two weeks, when we're recording this, Thanksgiving is next week, actually. Anna and I were talking about how we can't believe that the holidays are already here, which actually brings me to a question. Oh, about- actually, I, sorry okay. to interrupt. I do actually have one other thing that I was thinking of um, when it comes to CRM type stuff. Mm-hmm. I, um, and I've actually set up a few clients, um, with these things too, but, um, whether it has been Dubsado, HoneyBook, something like that, having a a tool where you can easily do some automations with it. And it's not necessarily, I mean, there are, there is the ability to do Zapier or something like that to do, um, external integrations between that platform and like your project management tool or Mm -hmm. something like that. But even just some of the workflow automations that you can set up in HoneyBook or in Dubsado um, are extremely helpful in just streamlining some of the process for that onboarding of a new client and the experience that a client gets with onboarding, with offboarding, with potential check-ins on milestones, all of that sort of stuff too. Absolutely. I had Dubsado when I first started and then I quickly switched to HoneyBook and I love HoneyBooks. It's really... (laughs) I, it is, it saves a lot of time with contracts, with proposals, with invoicing. Yeah. And what I like too, is like, it, 
because I invoice through it, I'm able to check my invoice invoices in HoneyBook and then compare it to what I have in QuickBooks and like cross-check and just, yeah, yeah it is really helpful. Um, and I'm bad about like saving documents. Like I have a lot of things in my email and I don't delete emails ever. So I know I can always <laughs> go back and find them, but like important contracts and um, NDAs and things like that. Like I want to yeah. have that in a specific yeah. place and it's all captured in HoneyBook. Um, so that I agree. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I think that that's critical no matter who you are, maybe not so much if you're a product-based business, but th- I could still see a need for it. Um, but definitely for service-based, that's been a lifesaver. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask about is, um, okay. So probably timely for our audience as we're heading into the holidays. And I know it's top of mind for me. So for example, I'm planning on taking next week off because we're traveling for Thanksgiving and I have a tendency to, it's funny, my business coach had made a point to say by Wednesday of the week before Thanksgiving, which is today, and I haven't done it, but I'm going to do it after this call, (laughs) make a list of everything you need to get wrapped up by Friday in order to enjoy your time off. And part of this was because my sons were home sick last week. My husband was traveling. So I had kids home with me all week and didn't get my week's worth of work. So now I'm feeling the crunch. And she knows me well enough to know I'm going to try to do a bunch of things. And then I'm probably going to think I need to do more than I need to do. So I'm going to work over Thanksgiving because I think it's going to get me closer to my goal. But I find that a lot of us, including myself, have a tendency to do things that aren't actually like what matters. Like we think we need to do more than we need to do. And so do you ever work with clients on figuring out like what is my focus and what really matters in my business and balancing that with business and life. Cause at some point there's like a, there's a um, decrease in the return you're going to see based oh, yeah. on the effort you put in. And so like, how do you prioritize what actually matters and then be okay letting go of the rest? Do you ever work with clients on that? Or do you do that in your own business? Yeah, I, I definitely understand exactly what you're talking about and whether it's us as moms that we put added stress on ourselves or, or what it is, I don't know, um, as much with the psychology behind it all, but, but I definitely 100% understand what you're talking about. Um, and it, it's something that I, when I work with clients, I really like to start off with what I call a strategic roadmap where we really map out the, the, a year essentially. Um, and then we break it down into quarters and then we break it down even more than that. But the key with it is taking, um, all of these, well, what I classify as seven different components of a business and figuring out what are your top two or three priorities. And that's, and those top two or three priorities, that's all we're going to focus on over the next quarter. The other things still matter, but they don't matter as much to help you move forward in your business. So it's really taking everything because we, we also, as you were mentioning, visionaries tend to just have this, they're ready to just go. Like it's, it's onto the next test. It's onto the next uh, um, idea. It's onto the next concept. And it's like, Whoa, that's not going to get done for another five years. Like realistically, let's bring it back to this is what we're going to focus on right now without overwhelming ourselves too much, because that to-do list can get extremely long if you look at everything in the business. But Mm -hmm. if you only look at maybe two or three priority areas, whether that's, you know, visibility, whether that's your financials, whether that's um, a new program or a course or something that you're putting together, Um, but really only looking at two or three 
of the seven core areas and only focusing on those. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's also a matter of knowing what's your vision, what are you trying to get to? And then, um, of those two or three, do those really keep moving you towards your vision? So, um, you know, it's, it's conversations with them. It's asking questions. It's diving deep into their business and saying, okay, what's working, what's not working, but then also the things that are not working, are these not working because they don't fit with your vision or are these not working because they shouldn't be priority right now? Or where, where is it that we need to be moving next with this? Mm -hmm. I love that. It's funny. I, I do that to some extent in my business, but not as much as I should, like to your point, like, okay, these are my two to three priorities and let's let everything else sit in like a parking lot. Like I I like the idea of like a parking lot, like I'm not going to forget about it, but we're not going to take action on it right now. But I do this with my clients a ton because I found that especially in marketing, like people, business owners, even if they're not of the marketing mindset, like it's a shiny new object syndrome. And I'll get another email every other day. That's like, I want to do this. I want to do that. And I'm like, well, hold on. We just planned Q4. So let's plan, let's execute, let's assess, and then let's start planning again. And so it's almost like working in sprints too, like keeping you focused on like, this is my goal for the next two weeks, two months, two years. And then let me reassess. I think that that's really helpful. It takes discipline though. It's really hard for all of us. Like, I feel like you see something and then you're like, oh, I could do that. And then you end up taking away from the task at hand and it's no longer efficient and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's great. Um, as you're growing your business, there are times when, when, yeah, you need to be out there just consuming, consuming, but, but that's a very short period of time (laughs) that you actually need to do that. Really, when you start to, to make some headway is when you start to put blinders on and you say, this is, this is my vision. This is my goal. I'm going to have my, you know, one or potentially two coaches or mentors, or like, I'm going to have these people that I listen to and I pay attention to. And I don't want anything else. Like I'm going to put my blinders onto everything else because I need to make sure that my focus stays where it needs to be to keep moving forward. Um, and then another just thing that I was thinking of as you were talking there was really that having the external um, or the outside person looking in on your business um, versus where you were saying, I, I, you know, I, yeah, I do this in my business, but when it's a lot easier to have somebody else start asking you questions mm-hmm. and them to give you a perspective, not that it's, you know, right or wrong what they're saying, but just to start asking questions and helping you really unfold yes. all of it a lot more. You bring up a great question about asking questions, um, or you bring up a great comment about asking questions. So a few times over the last few weeks, I've reached out to my business coach, um, with a question about something. And oftentimes she'll ask a question in return just to get clarification before she gives me advice, but just her posing a question in the way that she does makes a light bulb go off. And I'm like, okay, Uh I know exactly what I need to do now. You didn't even tell me she was very much adding value, but in the way that she was looking for clarification in the way she questioned me, made me think about it in a way I didn't ever, or put gave my words back to me and hearing it from someone else. I was like, oh my gosh, that it was, it's so obvious now, yeah. now I know yeah. what to do. So yeah. I agree getting outside perspective from you, from someone from your team or any other like, um, on like office business manager is so important because when you're so close to it as a business owner, 
It can be something so simple, yet it you're oblivious to it because you are just blinders on towards what you know you're you're doing day in and day out. Yeah. Um, something I want to ask, I ask all of our guests this um, as we're kind of wrapping up our conversation is you've shared so many good tips on how to leverage some of these practices, no matter where you're at in starting your business. Um, and it seems like, you know, you've taken a lot of what you learned from your previous experiences and applied it to this, um, to Hilltop Virtual Solutions. Based on the work you've done, both in your previous career and now, if you were to advise fellow mompreneurs on like a better way, like what's that one thing that you found to be a better way in your own experience, what would it be and why? Um, we're always just curious, but we, I think that everyone brings a unique um, answer to that question. And I'd love to know what yours is. What would be your better way for fellow mompreneurs? Um, so I have, I have two things that I definitely would say that I either wish I would have done sooner or, um, well, probably, yeah, just wish I would have done sooner. One is, um, hiring a mindset coach. I think mm -hmm. coaches in general are extremely helpful in businesses when you are at a point where you can, can bring on a, a, a very, you know, a good knowledgeable coach. I think they're extremely beneficial. Um, they just help you move forward faster. They, they give you a little bit more of that roadmap. So, um, but I did not realize how much personal growth and development would go into the world of being mm -hmm. an entrepreneur and the mindset drama and trash that I tell myself on a, a very regular basis. Um, so I think the mindset coach, um, was probably one of the more important, um, investments that I made in my business that I didn't do soon enough, um, to help me just get over some of the hurdles that I had mm -hmm. in place. Um, I would say I that, that is number one. And then number two would be, um, taking my own advice that I tell others on and hiring somebody sooner, um, mm -hmm. to help take some of the things that I really shouldn't have been doing as much in my business. Um, that I just not because I shouldn't have been doing them, but because like you said, initially I was a solopreneur, I was scrappy. I was going to figure it all out. Um, but there came a time when that did slow down my growth because there was no reason that I was doing it. It was just what I was used to doing. So, um, if I would have hired somebody on a little sooner to take on some of that, that admin support. I love both. Both of those are so spot on in my experience as well. I did not realize that I had to transform the person I was mentally and emotionally in order to be successful as an entrepreneur. And I'm still every day up against oh, it. Yeah. And anyone who thinks they're alone in limiting beliefs or in fears or worries, you are not even working with my business coach who helps me and is of great value and is super successful in her own right. We'll have calls and she'll be struggling with similar, you know, mindset issues as I am. Cause no matter what level you are at, you're always coming up against a new edge and pushing yourself and it's never yeah. comfortable and it never gets, it doesn't seem to get maybe it's a little easier, but yes, I agree. A coach helps you see that you're just in a sticky patch and that like there's, there's greener pastures on the horizon. Yeah. And then, um, I love what you said about the hiring because I, 
always get to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to hire someone. And then I back off for a little bit. Cause I get worried. I'm worried about yeah. the investment. I'm worried about delegating. Um, but I feel like it's one of those things that you have to rip the bandaid off and figure it out. And that the short-term discomfort or worry is so worth the long-term gain that you get. And that every time you're busy doing something that isn't part of your zone of genius, you're taking away from time, from money, from value that you're offering your clients. And when you put it that way, it makes it easier to warrant investing in someone, both the time you invest into developing them and the money. Um, but yeah. I agree that I think fewer, I, I don't think people do that as early and as often. And by early, I mean, I, myself, I've waited till the point where the pain was unbearable to hire someone. Whereas <laughs> if I hired someone two months earlier or three months earlier, we would probably be in a much better position um, because it's not pants on fire. Like, oh my gosh, I need to get someone in to do this. Um, so I love both of your tips because based on my experience, they are a hundred percent accurate. So yeah, yeah, definitely. So, and for anyone who's listening and they want to connect with you, where can they find you? What's the best way to reach you? So on social media, I spend most of my time on LinkedIn. Um, that's the platform that I um, essentially have been spending time business-wise. And then um, my website is hilltopvirtualsolutions.com. Awesome. And side note, I love that you gave LinkedIn and not an Instagram because I feel like LinkedIn is an um, overlooked um, resource <laughs> for businesses. And it's something that I work with my clients on and so few people have a presence there. Um, but I love that you are, so I know we'll definitely connect there. And I hope for any of our listeners, you find Anne there as well, or via her website. Um, and, Anne, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your wealth of expertise. I know I really enjoyed it and I know our community did will too. It was such a great time. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to today's episode. For more information from today's chat, including how to reach us, head on over to the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the exciting episodes to come. And please, if you liked what you heard, be sure to leave a rating and review. It's how we can help other busy moms find their better way. Until next time, mom friends.